Hi, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 11th of December 2019 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. There are times when you might be inclined to give up, when everything seems to be stacked against you and you think maybe it's time just to let things go. It's at these times that we lean the most heavily on our friends and family, and it's at these moments when we sometimes find we can achieve things we never thought were possible. This week, as we walk through the downright chilly streets of Hong Kong, we'll be listening to a story from Jane about a time when she was not doing so well and how things changed while staying the same. After Jane, we'll hear a story from Derek about trying to change who he was. Before we get to today's stories, though, huge thanks go out to our loyal hometown listeners. Hong Kongers, just continue to be the amazing people you are. Thanks go out too to our overseas listeners. This week's special hellos to listeners in Rosemead in California in the USA, Toronto in Canada, and Ho Chi Minh City in Vietnam. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. 2020 is fast approaching, and I'm not sure that I'm ready yet. Our January show will be held on 23rd January at the Fringe Club, but we haven't confirmed the theme yet, so you'll need to be patient and wait till next week. In the meantime, check out our free weekly workshops for all the rest of the fantasticalness that we do at hongkongstories.com. Now, from our July 2019 show with the theme of belonging, here is Jane. for coming tonight and having me on stage listening to my story. It's been a long time actually since I've been on stage and I'm talking about 20 years long. The first time I did public speaking was in a group. It was an event we were preparing for our school. Perhaps I was tall or looked like I could make a lot of noise. I was picked and asked to go solo. So from that day onward, I would practice with my Chinese teacher, Miss Tam. Miss Tam is a sweet old lady in her late 40s or 50s. Now, I was a kid, so anyone over 20 would be old. Now, you know, 40s is the new 20s. <laughs> so we would practice uh, I think three or four times a week, and we'll meet at the school's rooftop, and together we'll go through the script, you know, the tone of voice, you know, what kind of facial expression I want to make when I'm really happy or, or sad. Miss Tam is a very encouraging lady, so she has short hair, you know, always have these 80s glasses on her, lovely smile, and we bonded quickly. So for me, it didn't really feel like I was sacrificing my break time. It was more my bonding time with Miss Tam. And together we practiced and rehearsed until the day the competition came. All the students in my year gathered in the Great Hall. Everyone was really happy. It was full of energy. They were all chatting, mostly because they didn't have to be in class. But I was really excited. I couldn't wait to show everyone what I've got, everything that we've prepared. And then I heard my name and I walked on stage. And I began. Once a point in a, in a land far, far away, 
there was a bear and a panda. They lived together in a small hut. Everything was going great. You know, the, everything we practiced was coming to life. The audience were loving it. They're really listening to the story. You know, everyone's eyes was on me. They were all looking at me. <laughs> Suddenly, my excitement fades away and my mouth became so dry. My palms were sweating profusely and they shake as well, if you notice. My knees were so weak and my mind just went blank. While I stood in shock, the crowd was really quick to react. Boo! Ooh, she forgot her line! I panicked, and my ears were buzzing. I couldn't finish the whole line. I couldn't finish the first paragraph, and I hurried off stage. My face was flushed, and my heart was filled with disappointment. My first public speaking experience bombed. Whereas I would have given up straight away, Miss Tam did not. She encouraged me and she consoled me. It's okay, it's first time everyone gets stage flight. And together we continued to practice going. It wasn't long after there was another opportunity for me to participate in a regional competition. Now, I wasn't too excited, but I didn't want my teacher to, you know, to be sad, so I went anyway. But as I was writing this script, I really could not remember what happened that day. It was really fuzzy to me. I think it's PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> All I remember was this very, very dark venue with a single light shining on the contestant who is performing on stage. And the student's name would get called one by one as they enter on. Instead of excitement, my heart was pounding with fear as I was waiting to hear my name. Oh my God, why did I do this? I could not recall anything on stage apart from this white glare in my eye from the shining light. I did not bring home any trophy that night. I wasn't disappointed. Rather, I should say, I didn't think I stood a chance at all. And as I resurrected this memory from a long time ago, I've got to say I really admire Ms. Temp's persistence in continuing to nurture my public speaking skills. Perhaps she has invested too much already, you know, and it was too late to pick another student to go through the whole thing again. Anyway, we carry on. <laughs> we carry on the practice as I enter the final year of primary school. One day during practice, Ms. Tam told me we're going to start rehearsing for the final year show. But even if I win in this, this time, I wouldn't be able to join the regional school competition because I'll be graduating in the summer. Now, this news was actually quite a relief for me because I knew from that day on I only have one goal. So we kept on the practice and the day of the competition soon arrived. This time I gave a performance that lived up to all the hours and break time we spent practicing between, you know, Miss Tam and I. 
the announcement was made, and I have won first prize. Yay! Thanks, guys. <laughs> I was so thrilled. I was so happy. As I went on stage and claimed my prize, it was a, a pink and plastic trophy, the tiniest cup that you can fit your finger through the handles. But it doesn't matter. For me, it symbolized all my effort and my pride. As I look at it, and I hold it like this the whole time, <laughs> as I was gazing and admiring it, there was a sticker, and it read, Ma Tao Chong Primary School, Class 6A, Jane. They've written my name wrong. <laughs> but at least I found my place on stage. And thank you so much, Miss Tan Mei Fun. Thank you. A popular reason for joining our storytelling family is to become a better public speaker. We can be pretty harsh in Hong Kong about how we speak. One of the most common opening lines when people join us is, My English isn't so good, but this is my story. We want to be clear right from the start. Perfect English, whatever that is, is not a requirement for joining our group. Nor is it even desirable for joining our workshops. Come and join a workshop and find out for yourself. You can find out more on hongkongstories.com. Now, here is a story from Derek from a show in April 2018 that was called Face the Music. I'm going to tell the story with a cork in my mouth because that's how I practiced speaking English 10 years ago when I was in Los Angeles. Sorry, I know this is very difficult to understand, but this cork is the key to my American accent. <laughs> I was in this accent reduction class 10 years ago when I was in Los Angeles, and my accent teacher told me in Cantonese, most of our sound is produced from the front of the mouth. But in America, they speak like there's a big box at the back of your mouth. So in order to sound a little less Hong Kong and a little more American, you need to put a cork in your mouth, overdo it, enunciate, alter your muscle memory. I never thought much about accents when I was a kid. I was born and raised in Hong Kong, so when I was studying English in a local school, everyone speaks just like me, including the teacher who was also born in Hong Kong. So I never really thought much about an accent. And when I see a tourist or an expat in Hong Kong, and if you guys are trying to talk to me in Cantonese and saying something like Neho, then I would probably find you very adorable and, and marvel. So I, I, I never thought of having an accent, an issue, or, or, or a problem. But then, when I was in America, in addition to the accent class, I was also in the acting class. I was enrolled in an acting school, and one of the classes I took was the improv class. <laughs> so uh, in one of the improv class, um, I was assigned the role of a doctor. And my scene partner, who was supposed to be a patient, uh, we were on stage, and I looked at him very genuinely. And I said, don't worry, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, everyone laughed, just like you guys did. <laughs> the R, cure. 
You know that the R sound is very difficult for us because we don't have the R sound in Cantonese. Well, two years ago, I started learning French. So imagine how much time I've spent in my kitchen just trying to do this <laughs> sound. Hey, I used to even tell people I have to put a cock in my mouth during my accent reduction class. <laughs> I guess that's what people describe this as an oral practice. I even once asked a bartender for some penis to munch on with my drinks. <laughs> Sometimes I don't just embarrass myself; I embarrass my friends. One of the evenings, I was at my friend's place, and he asked me, "What did you want to do tonight?" And I said, "Cocaine." And、um, he took out a pack of white powder, and I asked innocently, "Is that sugar?" Cooking the oozang. You know, I became so aware of my accent in America that in after a year of acting school, when I I was so fortunate, I got signed by a talent agent, and I started working as an actor in LA. Every time before every audition, when I was given the script, I spent so much time just to work on sounding right. I wanted myself to be understandable, but you know how things are when you're so obsessed with certain things. People start to notice it even more. And then I was in the audition room, and then you know you you, you did a take, and then the casting director tried to give you some feedback, and the casting director asked me, "Oh, your English is it's good enough, but just for the comedic effect, can you try to thicken your accents for this role?" Oh, so you just want me to talk like that, like how I talk in Hong Kong?、Um, no, this is not funny. You know,、um, this is an immigrant role, fresh off the boat, rubbish.、Um, why don't you just play with it? Why don't you try with a Thai accent? I cannot just shift to another Asian accent without <laughs> preparing for it. <laughs> But it's an audition. You have to do whatever the director asks you. So. Um, so, what do you like? Do you like him? I I guess it's like that, right?、Um, <laughs> and then he said, "Well, you know what? Just for the effect, why don't you give me a take, like a Japanese accent?" <laughs> I, I I'm sorry, I really don't know how to do it. Oh, okay, don't worry about it. You know, just for the comedic effect, just try a take with、uh, a generic Asian accent. <laughs> Uh, excuse me. What is a generic Asian accent? <laughs> you know, just just like how Asians speak. I was so frustrated in some of these auditions. And one night, I was on the rooftop. I was sharing with my friend, who was an Asian American actor, and he told me he was so frustrated that as an Asian American, he was always being sent to auditions、um, for the foreigner roles. And it is very hard for him to be a minority in America. And at that moment, I I I thought, a minority? I mean, I lived my whole life in Hong Kong, being an Asian as a majority. <laughs> I never see myself as a minority. Wait a minute. Why am I trying so hard to be an American? Maybe I don't need to act like a foreigner. I am a foreigner there. 
and maybe I don't have to deal with being uh, an American minority there. I am a Hong Kong majority. Maybe I should let myself be a little more me and put in more authenticity in my audition. Four years in LA, um, I started booking more roles and uh, I did some projects as an actor that I was really proud of. But I have also heard a lot of things in audition rooms. You're not tall enough. You're taller than the lead and he's not happy. You don't look like the guy who plays your brother. You have dripping eyelids when you talk. And you're not handsome enough. Oh, and you're not muscular enough. Like there will be someone who will always tell you that you're not enough of this and not enough of that. There are a lot of things I cannot change. But the only thing I can change is to try to walk out of my house every day, reminding myself that maybe I am good enough. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Our Stories, brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music in this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.